0: You're listening to a program from the Bioneers Radio Archive.
1: Since we launched the Great Bear Rainforest Campaign, hundreds and hundreds of companies have said that they don't want to buy products from the last endangered forests on Earth. They want to buy recycled products.
0: In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we salute the Bioneers, the biological pioneers who are working with nature to heal nature, honoring both traditional native wisdom and modern scientific knowledge, restoring the earth by changing the world. After decades and decades of bad news about the decimation of the world's forests, A surprisingly hopeful report was published late in 2006 in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. At the moment when forest loss has assumed heightened importance because of its negative effect on global warming, a worldwide team of scientists suggested that forest loss can be and is being reversed. In some countries, the forests are coming back. That's not to say we can relax. In the United States, we've already destroyed 97% of our old-growth forests. And in the tiny handful of forests that still contain the biggest, oldest, most biodiverse, and ecologically pivotal forests, the battle to conserve them is still raging. And make no mistake, it is a battle. If you've ever seen a clear cut, it looks like the aftermath from a nuclear bomb. On the front lines of the quest to save the world's last remaining great wild forests, you'll find remarkably courageous and innovative individuals and groups. New unprecedented coalitions are coming together with the urgent knowledge that these forests are a lifeboat for the ecology of planet Earth. These visionaries are developing a new conservation-based economy that serves both people and planet. Join us for the next half hour as we explore Forest Lifeboat, From Spirit Bears to Victoria's Dirty Secret. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Zipporah Berman, the founder of the group Forest Ethics, did not start out as a defender of the forest. While a student at the University of Toronto, she saw pictures in geography class of Canada's temperate rainforest. She had to go see these fabled forests in the country's west coast for herself. Donning a backpack with $100 in her pocket, she went west. There she volunteered with local environmental groups, building trails in the forest. A year later, she returned to her now beloved forests she had tended. She found them a smoldering, clear-cut ruin. It was like a stake in her heart. She knew she had to do something, and she did. Sapora Berman spoke at a recent Bioneers conference.
1: You know, I started this work because I fell in love with the forests. I was absolutely horrified that these forests that are a result of 10,000 years of post-glacial activity, thousand-year-old trees, were being destroyed. And so the people who loved me when they got over thinking that I was crazy. they thought it was nice. Because, you know, forests, they give you a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. You know, the owls, the bears. That's not such a nice thing for her to do. (laughs) And the forest industry uses that sentiment. They use that sentiment to ridicule us. To play on the idea that we're naïve, that these issues are insignificant compared to what's happening on a world stage. In fact, when I first started this work, the first time I debated a forest industry executive on national television, he called me a whacked-out nature worshiper who prays to the moon. convey to you today is that those days are over as we talk about the tipping point, as we talk about peak oil and global warming, what we need to remember is that those wild places that we depend on for basic ecosystem services, the air we breathe and the water that we drink, those forests are at their limit. And we need to treat these issues and those forests as though they're our lifeboat, because they are. For me, that journey started on the west coast of Canada, in the temperate rainforest.
0: For Zipporah Berman, the quest to save the last great forest came both from love and from a reality check about planetary survival. But when she learned why these living treasures were being plundered and ravaged, there was no turning back.
1: They're incredible, incredible forests that you just cannot believe are being destroyed to make paper, to make magazines, to make catalogs. And so when I started in Clackwit Sound and found out that the government had decided to log the majority of the region, and that year became the largest known shareholder of Macmillan Bloedel, I was absolutely horrified, but luckily so was the rest of Canada. And that year, 10,000 people flooded to Clackwood Sound, 1,000 people were arrested. It was the largest civil disobedience in Canada's history. And the logging... And the logging continued. I'm sure here in the United States, you're familiar with the failure of democracy. And when it fails, we need to be more sophisticated. We need to look for new strategies to build power. So what we had in Canada at the time was the majority of Canadians saying, this is wrong. I remember after we got our first polls in, a bit into the campaign, we found out that only 12% of Canadians supported the decision to allow logging in Clackwood Sound. Our first ad was an ad in the Globe and Mail, Canada's national newspaper, that said, 12% 12% of Canadians support the decision to log Clackwood Sound. 14% still think Elvis is alive. <laughs> so, knowing those protests were not working, we started thinking what could influence these companies? What could influence the government? What really moves them? And we started tracing the products. At the time, you know, with very little resources, we were literally following trucks, pretending to be students, and going on mill tours. Where is it going? Who's buying it? The far majority of what's happening in Canada, of the logging in Canada, is going to the United States. In fact, this year, 35, close to $35 billion worth of exports flooding into the United States of wood and paper products. And as many of you know, the U.S. is, of course, the largest consumer of wood and paper products globally. So, we started actually trying to identify who was buying it. And with the work of incredible organizations here in the United States, we created a coalition, the Clackwit Rainforest Coalition, Rainforest Action Network, Greenpeace, Natural Resources Defense Council, Pacific Environment. And together, we started the first markets campaign on Clackwood Sound on Canada, which was Pac Bell. These thousand-year-old trees were being made into phone books. And I will never forget our first victory, sitting at my desk, when the Vice President of Environmental Affairs for macmillan Bodell called me right after the Pacific Bell Annual General Meeting and said, what do we need to do?
0: What do we need to do? Sapora Berman was asking herself the same question. After being charged with 1,000 counts of illegal acts, she knew this was serious business. Clearly, the coalition's innovative market-based campaign was a step in the right direction. There's nothing more valuable to a corporation than its brand. The brands of companies such as Pac Bell and Macmillan Bloedel could not withstand the public outrage at ancient forests being pulped into phone books. The coalition had captured industry's attention.
1: So we decided that we needed to be bolder. We couldn't fight this fight valley by valley and take five years for every region. So we looked at the west coast of Canada, these temperate rainforests. We looked at 35 million acres. We looked at what we had left, and we drew a big circle around it. I can remember grabbing the marker and drawing a big circle around the map and saying, we want this. This, we called the Great Bear Rainforest. At the time, on the maps, it was referred to as the Mid-Coast Timber Supply Area. (laughs) So there's a lesson here in branding. (laughs) We called it the Great Bear Rainforest because it has some of the largest populations of bears, the rare white spirit bear, black bears and grizzly bears. And when we started this campaign, of the 369 intact valleys in the Great Bear Rainforest, there were 59 left. And all were slated to be roaded and logged within the next five years. So we started tracking the products, working with Greenpeace, Rainforest Action Network, and many, many other groups around the world. And this is when we launched the Staples campaign. Forest Ethics launched the Staples campaign as well. We started tracking the products, identifying who was buying them, and going in and talking to them. We bought our first suits. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the industry, who had called us crazy, hysterical, the premier of the province when we launched the campaign, called us enemies of the state and said what we were asking for was impossible. All of a sudden, they wanted to talk to us. And the CEO of one of the largest logging companies in the country said this to the Truck Loggers Association meeting in 2001, the industry is losing the fight for credibility in the marketplace. And my favorite part, environmentalists are whipping our ass in the battle for the forest. And the power shift begun and we began to meet with the companies and at the time it was incredibly difficult. We couldn't even decide where to have lunch or where to meet. <laughs> and we tried to set it aside and look at how we could create solutions. And I'll never forget sitting at dinner after we had come to our first agreement and the, one of the foresters from mcmillan Blodell turned to me and he said, I have to thank you because I used to think I had only one tool in my toolbox, and that was clear-cutting. And now everything is open to me, and my daughter's talking to me.
0: (laughs) To save the trees, animals, salmon, and birds of the Great Bear Rainforest, it was essential for the Forest Ethics Coalition to also align itself with the needs of the people of the forest. The coalition consulted respectfully with First Nation peoples of the area whose sacred lands these were, but who had no legal authority over them. When the coalition brought firm support for the native peoples to obtain increased decision-making power over their traditional territories, the coalition grew stronger. To preserve jobs with justice, the coalition also worked closely with the pulp and paper workers union, Zapora Berman.
1: What we did is we built into our negotiation package with the logging companies and the government that we not, they not only needed to set aside these key areas of forests, but they needed to commit to a worker transition package. And we, we developed that jointly um, with the unions. And we held by our commitment to them that even if the company said, okay, we won't go into these pristine forests, we'll set them aside, that we wouldn't accept the deal unless it was a package. And the package included First Nations increased decision-making over the region as well as worker transition packages, retraining, and the creation of a conservation-based economy. And that was the most success we've ever had is in that particular region.
0: These bold strategies worked, a combination of market-based campaigns using both carrot and stick to hold corporations accountable to the right thing, and designing a conservation-based economy that respects forest ecology, indigenous rights, and workers' needs.
1: We stood on the stage with the First Nations, with the government, with the logging industry, with the labor unions. And we announced the protection of 5 million acres of rainforest on the west coast of Canada. And more than that, we announced that we were going to create a new economy, a conservation-based economy that supported local communities, that was defined not by how much we could take away, but how much we needed to leave. Since that time, since we launched the Great Bear Rainforest Campaign, hundreds and hundreds of companies, some of their own will, because individuals in those companies believe in these values, and see what needs to change, some with a little help, (laughs) have called for new products, have said that they don't want to buy products from the last endangered forests on Earth, and that they want to buy products that are certified by the Forest Stewardship Council. They want to buy recycled products.
0: Zapora Berman. Staples and other major companies subsequently agreed to use more recycled paper and use only wood certified as sustainably harvested. Forest Ethics then went on to protect an additional million acres in Canada and a million acres in Chile using the same strategies. More from Zipporah Berman when we return. This is Forest Lifeboat, From Spirit Bears to Victoria's Dirty Secret. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. If you love Bioneers Radio, it's free and easy to support us. Just take a moment to post a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find our show online. You'll be helping other people find and enjoy these incredible thinkers and storytellers. And thank you for helping us out.
1: Once when I was traveling in the Great Bear Rainforest, we were studying the recent logging and road building, and we stopped the ship. You know, you can only get there by float plane or by boat. There are no roads. It literally is some of the last frontier. And so we we took a boat into a valley, and we hiked up the valley, and there was this beautiful waterfall, trees 300 feet tall, 1,000 years old, and we just sat down to rest, and this huge, huge, white bear came lumbering out of the forest and massive bear you know I don't know I have 300 pounds maybe and pure white what the first nations peoples call the spirit bear which is actually a a subspecies of black bear called the kermode bear but they're very rare and uh, it came rumbling out and reached into this pool and grabbed this massive salmon and broke it in half and started eating it And it was the most incredible, just kind of raw, wild experience I've ever seen and been a part of. And it's a place where, you know, that still happens, where you can hike for days and never see another person. And there are um, really incredible populations of wolves. There are Roosevelt elk. You know, it's, it's one of the last places in the world where you have strong, healthy populations of large mammals. And then, of course, thousands and thousands of birds and uh, songbirds and and ducks and other it's just an it's an incredibly rich wild place and then if you move east from British Columbia from the temperate rainforest across the rest of Canada the boreal forest is about 1.2 billion acres it's the second largest forest in the world And I've been really amazed at the diversity of life that exists there and have only recently just read the studies, the bird studies, that show that the majority of birds that are in the United States breed and nest in the Canadian boreal. You know, the boundaries that we have, our political boundaries, are just that. They're human-created boundaries. And so 5 billion birds every year travel up to the Canadian boreal in the summer to breed and then come back down to the States, which is an amazing thing. And I think it's important for people in the States to know, I mean, in the the U.S. you have some of the largest birding populations in the world. You know, do they realize that when they pick up their L.L. Bean catalog or their J Crew catalog, that those catalogs come from the clear-cut logging of some of the last intact places for those birds?
0: Though there have been successes in the forests of Western Canada, global climate change is making it even clearer that forests are worth more standing than cut down. Again, Zipporah Berman.
1: Climate change for these forests is a double-edged sword. Logging these forests contributes to climate change. Impacts of climate change destroy these forests. And when you hear about the tar sands here in the United States, Canada as being the next Saudi Arabia, I can't tell you as a Canadian how terrifying that is. Because it's not a desert. The tar sands lie underneath the boreal forest. The United Nations reports that two-thirds of the services provided by nature to humankind are in decline worldwide. In order to mitigate global warming, we need to hold on to these last wild places. If we were to reduce logging in Canada by 25%, 25%, it would be the equivalent of taking 50% of the cars in Canada off the road. But that said, we need to recognize that large-scale forest conservation can play an important role in climate mitigation, and that logging reduction is absolutely critical. So forest ethics has focused our work on the paper industry here in the United States. We're now developing also a home-building campaign that we'll launch here in California. But why did we focus on the paper industry to begin with? Because the boreal provides 20% of the world's paper. Because paper is the single largest component to our landfills. Because the paper industry is the third largest industrial energy consumer worldwide. Because companies like Victoria's Secret are producing a million catalogs a day. Made from Canada's all-growth boreal forest. If the catalogue industry in North America just increased the amount of recycled paper they used by 10 percent, it would be like building a fence all the way across the United States of wood. Seven times every year. It would be like taking 100,000 cars off the road every year. Ten percent! We are still today making catalogs and newspapers and office paper out of what's left of our wild places.
0: With a provocative and highly successful campaign called Victoria's Dirty Secret, forced ethics and allied groups achieved a landmark agreement with Limited Brands, the large parent company of Victoria's Secret. The agreement set a new standard for catalog companies, including better sourcing practices, plus support for a conservation framework to protect at least half the entire boreal forest. As Zapora Berman, Forest Ethics, and the Power of Broad coalitions show, we can reverse forest loss, create a superior economy, and protect the rights of both people and nature. There's room for people's livelihood, for first peoples, and for the spirit bear.
1: The director of the United Nations Environmental Program has been quoted as saying only a miraculous transformation can save the world's closed canopy forests because they're um, in such grave threat. I truly believe that that miraculous transformation is starting to happen because we are engaging governments and industry at all levels from the forest floor. Rate to through the marketplace, and creating a level of debate that there has never been before on how we use our forests and what products are acceptable. And, you know, I also have hope because um, we still have time to get it right in at least a couple forest regions in the world. You know, so often as a forest activist, we're talking about areas that are so heavily degraded, and really what we need to work on is restoration. You know, I refer to them as the landscapes of regret. (laughs) We still have an opportunity here to get it right. We can create a conservation-based economy. We can ensure that the products coming out of Canada are ecologically responsible, and we can still protect enough forests to maintain biodiversity. This is a region and a campaign that's not about regret. It is, in fact, about hope. We've caught it early enough, I think.
0: From landscapes of regret to landscapes of hope, we still have time to get it right. Forest Lifeboat, from Spirit Bears to Victoria's Dirty Secret. To find the latest resources related to this program or to order a copy of this show, visit Bioneers.org or call 877-246-6337. Practical solutions and social innovations for our most pressing environmental and social challenges can also be found online at Bioneers.org. Choose from articles, news releases, blogs, event calendars, books, CDs, podcasts, and DVDs. You can learn more about the Bioneers through their annual conference and by becoming a member. To register and join online, go to Bioneers.org or call 877-246-6337. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive Producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Ausubel and Neil Harvey. Senior Producer, Neil Harvey. Managing Producer, Stephanie Welch. Production Assistants, Ginny McGinn and Marita Prandoni. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Reference Media Group. Interview recording engineer was Erica Bridgman. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Silver Wave Records at www.silverwave.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the Underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in improving the environment by changing the world. This is program number 1007. This program was made possible in part by a grant from Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and farmer-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com.